The New Zealand shooting story is serving many agendas from censorship to gun control. Are you buying into them? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I'm also on tomorrow, Sunday from 12 to 2. But uh, I'm here live now on WSB. And uh, there's, I had such a long list of things that we really need to touch on. And I think since I have a lot of hours this weekend, we will get to them all. But the... New Zealand shooting story. Normally, I don't like to focus on those stories. I don't like to give them. Uh, I I would never want to give a murderer airtime, and uh, you know, any PR is good PR. So I don't like to do that, and I rarely believe the uh, the facts, so called, the official narrative that is packaged for us in the mainstream media. So it's hard to to learn the real lessons from these events because it's hard to know uh, what the real facts are. But the one reason I do uh, pay attention to these things is they always, without exception, it's almost tautological, it's like it has to go together, that when it's getting round-the-clock media coverage, it's always being used for policy objectives. It's Rahm Emanuel saying you never want to let a good crisis go to waste. And I think, so I, first and foremost, take notice of the policies that they are pushing with the events, and then that's when I really call into question if we're being told all the va- facts as they are. And then uh, you can go further down the rabbit hole and say, well, was this person provoked? Was that person targeted? S- Judge Napolitano did a famous special report on Fox about how, and New York Times had an article about it too, about how the vast majority of terrorist attacks and arrests in the U.S. were a result of FBI sting operations. And I would say, this is why I think things like that should always go to trial, is that you don't, it, in part of those stories was that, People who are a little bit unstable are targeted for the FBI activity. And then you hear even the last guy in Atlanta who was arrested. He was arrested trying to buy weapons from government agents. So you've got to wonder where the provocations are starting and where this is just spontaneously, in this case, emerges from radicalization on social media, that it's um, the agenda here is that we need to censor social media, especially live streaming. And for me, I've been censored on YouTube, absolutely obliterated on WordPress. I've experienced my questions. I don't say racist or misogynistic or hateful or violent things ever. I just question stuff. And that gets me suppressed. 
And I actually thought that one way to at least get Binkley and I, my producer here, do podcasts, and we dig a little deeper, we have a little more time, and uh, we talk about maybe what is down the rabbit hole a little bit more, because that stuff's pretty subtle, you really have to get into it, and that's when we get suppressed. And I thought, well, if we did the YouTube Live, like a Google Hangout thing, like a lot of people do, at least our kind of first pass listeners could hear what we have to say before the video is suppressed. But this New Zealand situation is exactly the event that's going to, I mean, I have, I was really, (laughs) I was worried about my own health, how hard I was triggered by the Wall Street Journal today with all the articles that just were repeating over and over and over again, live stream video is dangerous. And here's the thing. I want to talk about that. This is, I really want to get into it because they're just pushing it so hard. I have so many smoking guns that that's all they want. And that in itself, that this, that this story is so tailor-made for that meme makes me wonder how much of the truth we're really getting here. But the real moral hazard with allowing these events to generate policy that you would not, as Ron Manuel said, would not uh, normally be able to generate, the real moral hazard is, let's say it's a completely authentic event with no provocation other than what they're really telling us, that it, that it emerged organically from social media. Here's the problem. There... I can cite two examples off the top of my head. One was this Defense Intelligence Agency report. You can find it at Levant Report or something is the blog that still has it up there, where Mike Kelly, who the famous, infamous Mike Kelly, and uh, who got into trouble working for Trump, he was the head of the DIA. And he was quoted as saying that if something like ISIS, an Islamic state, were to arise on the border of Syria and Iraq, It would be great. It would be just what we wanted, I believe is the quote, that will give them the excuse to cross over from a military presence in Iraq to a military presence in Syria where they wanted to effect regime change. He got a lot of flack for that. And you can look at it as, I mean, some people will will go one step further and say, you didn't just wait for it. You created it. Uh, You don't even have to say that. There's another thing, the Project for New American Century, where they say what we need is a new Pearl Harbor to justify, uh, I don't know if it was regime change in Iraq, but interference in the Middle East. This was one year before 9-11. I'm not saying that they planned it. I'm saying it that if you have government agents who are in charge of preventing this stuff, who express that it would be good to have it so they could get the policy they want, then maybe they're not just going to, the theory is like, let it happen on purpose, lie hop. Like, maybe they will. I don't know. I'm not accusing anyone. I'm just saying it's a moral hazard to let an event that's getting a lot of media attention and spin to determine a policy that might otherwise have the effect of suppressing your rights. Now, do you have a right to live stream on Facebook and YouTube? Well, I would say you don't uh, under the assumption that Facebook and YouTube, Google are truly private companies. I don't think they are. I think that both because of help they've had 
from the Department of Defense over the years or other government tech even just benefiting from uh, some per- people who were developed by incubators that are funded by the Department of Defense. Also, what will happen now, this this event happens to dovetail with Facebook preparing for regulation, I would say, it was already in my show notes for this week that Facebook wants the regulation because they can handle it. I was actually listening to Fox Business this week, and they said, oh, Facebook's happy to have the regulation because they're the big guys. They can handle it. The little guys can't handle it. So what happens when you have big regulation like this is it pushes the competitors out. So that is a way for government action to choose the winner an oligopoly or, or a dominant player in an industry. And when they have that advantage, they can do whatever they want. They can suppress you and keep you from accessing uh, tech because as they become more egregious in their censorship and their control, even if a competitor would have a hard time competing with them, it would not be impossible. And eventually you might be driven to a competitor like Twitter has to face competition from Gab. And it took a lot. Gab was taken down. And then they came back up. And now they're being targeted by this. Gab's the only one who let the live streaming video of this event uh, come out. That's one. Of, we'll get to that. But I'm saying that if you allow these, these events to control policy, it's a moral hazard that uh, at least the messaging is going to promote the policy that's already on the agenda. I literally had the Facebook regulation on the agenda this week because there was activity around Facebook this week. So uh, I want to so, – up next, I want to go through the really cookie-cutter stereotype that we're being told about this guy, if that makes you smell a rat as to whether the story – uh, if we're getting all the facts and nothing but the facts. So, and then I want to talk about how those facts that we're being told are playing into not only the censorship policy, but other policies. So this is serious because of its implication on how it's going to affect our rights. And I understand it was in New Zealand, but the impression, the policy support can come from uh, just the emotionalism in the air. It doesn't have to be on our soil, but I'm sure New Zealand is the primary target because they have lax gun control and they have always been an example that I've used. I've also used Vermont. I actually identified Vermont like I hope that they don't become a target because they have very high gun ownership rates, very loose gun laws, and very low crime. And that was true in New Zealand also. I at least had read that and cited that before. So it doesn't surprise me that that the first thing the prime minister of New Zealand said was now is the time to tighten our gun laws. So let's unpack all that, that uh, trendy little expression, but it applies. Let's do it uh, right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Now, there is a president who may have been elected, but the real man in charge lives several miles underground. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. So I got so carried away talking about the agendas that are going to emerge from the New Zealand shooting story 
that I didn't even say hello to Binkley. Hi, Binkley. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? Fine, thank you. I uh, I know you have had the same experience with this story about the shooting in New Zealand that I have had, where the I, I'm so triggered by how much propaganda is being generated all towards one purpose, which is, I mean, in my opinion, the number one, like 80% of the ink that I've read has been dedicated to suppressing live streaming from the internet. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I, do you agree with that? I have about 10 headlines from articles that perfectly describe what you just said. Can you rattle a few off and tell me where you're seeing them? I've got 10 just from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I read the Wall the, Street Journal this morning. I was The like, Christchurch oh. shooter streamed video live on Facebook and posted it on, on platforms. How will we stop them? Um, <laughs> where's the better ones? Well, I, I can tell you I've gotten a few. There's one whole article. I mean, the Wall Street Journal, I think it had five articles this morning, almost all of which. There was a, a, a few that went. Another, so it start. It goes with the live streaming is one big one. It is the biggest one, absolutely. And I and I believe it's to solve the problem that I the the hole that I already thought of about how they've been censoring me. And I thought, well, if I just do a live YouTube broadcast and get calls and everything like that, at least the people who tune in will hear before it gets suppressed. You got another one for me? Oh yeah, how the new how the New Zealand shooter hijacked our social media hellscape. Oh wow. Well look, so it's not just the live streaming that he supposedly did. What he did was he learned from 4chan, uh other Gab was targeted, how he learned from these like gray web or whatever, the methods of generating a message and one of the one of the articles i read is it's hard to spot the terrorists among the trolls harassing people online and murdering them aren't the same thing but the internet creates space for the two to intersect that was in the journalist morning absolutely and that theme of not being able to to distinguish i saw that everywhere where they were talking about coded language and use of of memes so they're going to start targeting people who use memes who are sarcastic to progressives is basically what I took from some of these articles. You're going to be potentially a target for getting deplatformed or even pre-crime. That's a lot. I, uh, I think that we should get into those topics at the bottom of the hour coming up after this break. I have to say there, there is – I was immediately reminded of that. I think it was a 150-slide presentation. I believe it was the Department of Defense, but it was definitely a U.S. agency about memetics. And the one thing that always rings in my mind about that is that one of the slides, or a group of the slides, was called uh, Enhancing Dysfunctional Subcultures through memes, enhancing dysfunctional subcultures through memes. And there you've got his manifesto is a meme generator, is it not? Absolutely. All right, let's do it after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
I am your libertarian on WSB, and sometimes, Saturdays 3 to 6, by the way, and sometimes being the libertarian, not buying into the left-right dialectic helps you put aside the side you're supposed to take and try to find the facts. And if you can't find the facts, at least always remember your principles. So don't let scary stuff scare you out of your principles. Uh, I want to, if you want to tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show, maybe we'll read some tweets. If you want to call me, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK, I'm going to go to a call. I'm going to Joe. Joe, you are on with Monica. Thank you, Monica, for taking my two cents, as always. Um, listen, I, uh, by 10 o'clock yesterday morning, I was already sick and tired of hearing this story. And let me tell you why. I can't speak for everybody in America or the whole world on this thing, but I can tell you this, like I was telling your good call screener, that guy that did that yesterday, many say he was sicko, crazy. No, he wasn't. The man owned them guns legally that did this. I believe he was as sane as you and I. I believe this is a big pushback of all these Muslims that these countries are letting in, like Australia, as well as New Zealand. What they did, they went after the guns first about 20 years ago, knowing that this was going to probably happen, that they wanted to do this, let all these Muslims in their country, and now look. I I just don't believe that this is any, uh, this, this as a react, what you're saying, I just don't believe that. This is so far beyond any reaction. It's just, it's, I'm not even going to get into things like, do you have to be crazy to do something like this? I don't really accept the details of what we're told here. So for you to come to your conclusion, you're taking the official narrative as the truth and then just trying to put motives and a narrative on top of that. I'm questioning the narrative. I'm questioning the facts we're being fed. You're you're picking a an argument that is within the the dialectic. So even some of the stuff that he supposedly is promoting is this: is to create a gun control problem. So there's a backlash. It's to it's to foster this dialectic. And I'm saying by buying into that, you're saying you're validating one side or the other. And I think that these stories are manipulated, spun, um, or worse, to get us to buy into that dialectic so that there's, it's that, pro, a dialectic is the, the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, or more commonly, problem, reaction, solution. So if we all agree there are problems and we all react then they will give us a solution. And it's the solution that they've already decided they wanted. And in this case, there's several. They always multitask on these things. But here, it's very narrowly keeping live streaming video from happening. Because in the future, if they want to create reality by creating news, and you see that they have the technology to take people's faces and have Putin say something he didn't say, and in video that you cannot tell, right? Binkley, weren't you telling what? – what is that called? Deep fakes? Deep fakes? Deep fakes, yes. Yeah, so if they're – and then with the WordPress purging, they took people who were asking questions. They weren't taking 
I don't think Alex Jones even was using WordPress. I don't know. But some of the 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 platforms that deplatformed supposedly Alex Jones, he wasn't even using them. And Tucker Carlson, I mean, these people are they were supposedly banned not for asking questions, but for saying things that freak people out. A lot of people, thousands of people were banned from WordPress for just asking questions. And here, if you have if you have live streaming, there's going to be some truth out there that cannot be controlled. That is a very important glitch, an important hole uh, in the armor. So I think that diving into the dialectic is not what's in order now. I think we need to pull back from that and pay attention to the protections that we have. And the truth would be a protection for us. If they want to tell us about events and then tell us a policy answer, we really want the truth. Uh, so anyway, I know that's not what you wanted to hear, but uh, I'm going to go to Graham and Canton. Uh, you're on with Monica. Hi, I just had a question about like all the, the shooting that happened in New Zealand, what you thought about that and what do you think they'll do about that? How to stop that? Uh, I believe that, uh, uh, again, I have to say, what what do we know really happened? The story is, I, I just don't believe we have all the details of the story. He supposedly killed 49 people shooting fish in a barrel and wounded 39 more as a lone wolf, live streaming it for 17 minutes. Supposedly, he was actively shooting for 30 minutes. He drove from one mosque to another. And in all that time in a small city with this live streaming over the Internet, a, a victim's wife, it was reported in the Wall Street Journal, was watching it in real time near the mosque. So why weren't the police stopping? You know, the story doesn't sound, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying the story does not hold together. One of the quotes in here was that this is straight out of the Wall Street Journal. It said uh, one of the worshipers quickly disarmed the man. And he fled and got into a waiting car. And supposedly, I mean, that doesn't drive with him having killed 41 people there if he was quickly disarmed. But, yeah, maybe it can happen fast. But that kill rate is very high. So so what do we do about it? First, I want to know what exactly it is. I really, really want to know the facts. Then we can troubleshoot. Then we can say, okay, this is a problem. Do our tried and true laws and principles not address it? We have given up our right to self-defense, or at least uh, we rely on the reason we have limited government is we agreed to pool our resources in the name of self-defense, to extend our right of self-defense to agents of government. And if they are not able to fulfill that, and furthermore, if their response to their inability to protect is to further disarm the citizenry, I would say the answer is we need to reassert that all of their power comes from our right to self-defense. And if they can't handle it because they can't be everywhere at once, well, you are where you are. Everyone is everywhere at once. You, it can't ha- No one can be killed if there's nobody there to be killed. And so if that person, the victim reasserts his or her right to self-defense and the only way that the cops seem to think is effective through arms, then maybe that is the answer. I don't know, but I have to know the real problem first. Uh, I'm going to go to Jody in Atlanta. Jody, you're on with Monica. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for taking my call. Listen, the 
answer is you arm the soft targets, arm the churches, arm your synagogues, arm your mosque. Every time a shooting comes around, we always hear, oh, we need to pass more gun laws. We need to do this and the other. But it's only a ruse. If you take away guns from the American citizens, then all of a sudden the weakest of us will be the ones that will be attacked and destroyed. That is the bottom line. I'm so sick of of the liberal media, even the the, the conservative, conservative media, saying, hey, more gun laws, more this. It doesn't work. It's real simple. If I, if you know that I'm armed, you will think twice about attacking. I that totally agree, problem. and I actually, I think that's the answer in the uh, hashtag Me Too movement. Also, I had a, an Indian caller call me, a guy from who was originally from India, and he said, "Oh, there's a total. I, I'm not sure if this is true, but he said they have very strict gun laws in India, like no guns." And this was at the same time that. Uh, there were so there were numerous stories of extremely violent gang rape in India, and I said, "Yeah, maybe you should. If you're gonna, at least don't disarm the women. You know, I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm I know it's a little facetious, but you said the weakest among us, and and I'll tell you, I consider it the great equalizer. Well, well let me ask you this: in the wild, so-called wild west, and everybody was armed, you thought of twice about shooting someone. That is what I'm getting at." And I know that's a bit extreme, but again, if I know that you are possibly carrying a firearm, I'm going to think twice. And I'm just simply saying in the mosque, every place you saw targets, you need to have people with weapons because you can pass every gun law there is. The criminals will have the guns, period. That's just it. And so I'm so sick of everybody saying, we need, and they're crying, we need to do this, we need to do that. No. You need to start carrying and stop popping crazies. Oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Jody. Um, but I will say I wanted to respond to a couple of things, which is uh, I think if people choose to be armed, I, I get a little concerned. I probably wouldn't go into a drinking establishment that allowed firearms. I don't know. I might think about that. I don't know. That well, that I think like when you're telling people, but but like churches and stuff like that, I, I people, I don't even think you need to delegate someone to be uh, the armed person. I think that that just the idea of uh, you, what you're saying, you don't know if somebody is armed or if people do think there's danger in their area. I mean, certainly uh, Kennesaw has had, from what I understand, Kennesaw has had that experience where they, their crime rate was going up, and then they actually had a mandate where the people had to be armed, which is surprising to me. But but my guess is that that would make you just keep driving. You know, just don't don't stop in that town to get up to your mischief unless you're trying to, you know, commit suicide by cop or whatever they call it. Um, so I think, look. Self-defense is our right, and when, you know, it's not like they don't have uh, armed authority, They and and why did this thing go on for that long without a response? So to tell, of course, it's just, just common sense to tell us that the answer is to make sure you can't enforce a negative. If there are hundreds of millions of guns, it's going to be pretty hard to make sure. It's like, it's like... You can't be sure your kid isn't going to fall into the pool, but you can teach him how to swim. So, but, you know, it's not just about gun control. I mean, this stuff, this is about, uh, 
the surveillance state, the censorship state, that is what these, they are terrorists. They are terrorist events. Now, who is doing the terrorizing and who is being terrorized maybe is a, a topic for after the break. You can call me 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. It's the future. All the phase again. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Well, the past also had some guns, as Jody said, the Wild West, but uh, I'm not sure that our depiction of that really holds up to scrutiny. I have a book that was rather expensive. I believe I got it at Mises called The Wild West Was Not So Wild. So maybe I'll, uh, this is a good time to read that and kind of debunk that myth. Um, I am going to go to a call. Mark in Atlanta. Mark, you're on with Monica. How you doing, Monica? Good. How you doing? What's going on doing back well. there? Yeah, what I want to talk about briefly, Monica, is the fact that we have I can't. a real yeah. serious Good. problem with the leadership of this nation inciting people who are, I guess you could call them borderline, uh, schizophrenic, borderline, insane, whatever you want to call it, okay? But we have to address the fact that we have a leader in the form of our POTUS, President of the United States, who makes statements like they're good people on both sides of what took place in Charlottesville. Wait, can we just, Mark, I just want you to back up. Did you say that he triggers psychotics? He triggers the underlying possibility in people that would be, that would make them psychotic. Let's, you talk about, let's explore you talk that. About no, I mean, white... I really like to understand the connections because maybe you can convince me that that's true. What, what okay. specifically are you talking about? Okay, let's talk about what incites a riot, Okay. Let's talk about what he said and what the result was that you're pointing to. Okay. Let's start with the fact that his father was a known Ku Klux Klansman. Whoa. I have no idea about that. But let's start with supporting what you said, which is you said that he incites psychotics. And I want to understand specifically one example of where he did something and there was a result. Or even, it doesn't even have to be a very specific example. You can just say something he said and what you think was the outcome. Okay. The, the rhetoric throughout his campaign that had to do with how he identified with Muslims, how he wanted to end the Muslim migration to the United States, he wanted a Muslim ban. That's one incident. So what, you uh, think that him saying that incited this New Zealand guy to go into a mosque? I think I think that it may have fueled something in that person and other people who have done things when he has made statements. He has made derogatory statements about uh, the Jewish people. Okay, he made several Jewish uh, derogatory Did comments really? about Jewish because people. Did he really? Because he speaks oh, at IPAC. Go back IPAC. and look. Go and back his and son, look at his record. His son-in-law at- literally was in bed with Benjamin Netanyahu. Like I, I think that I, you would have to tell me the words that he used that were derogatory and anti-Semitic, only because that, I think, is um, not in evidence. And uh, I, I have to go to break right this second. I got a hard break. Um, but let's continue on these topics. I am open to, the, to being convinced. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. 
This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I'm also on tomorrow from 12 to 2. That's Sunday. But I am on live right now. If you want to call 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at Monica Perez Show, I'm, uh, I'm going to go to some calls. I'm going to Greg in Atlanta. Greg, you are on with Monica. Hello. Uh, huh. When speaking about when speaking about Nazis, Trump says that there's good people on both sides, and those Nazis then murdered an innocent young girl with their car. Okay, in hold on a second, when Greg. About- Greg, look, you can't. You're you're defeating your own cause. I was completely ready. I saw you, what you said to the screen. I'm completely ready to have a back and forth with you if we can slow down and actually talk about what the issues are. If you want to talk about the quote Trump and then talk about who he was talking about and what the result was. But instead, you're just blurting out this uh, these talking points. So I'm going to give you one more chance. But we got to slow it down and be intelligent We're about this. We're speaking about Mexicans. Trump says that they're sending their rapists, their murderers, their drug dealers. When speaking about Nazis, there's good people on both. All right. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not cutting you off because I don't want your message out there. I'm cutting you off because you're just blathering talking points that aren't going to get us any closer to understanding what the real problems are in this country. And I was totally ready to talk to you about the weaknesses of having a Trump presidency. And I personally believe that focusing on Trump as the person, this bombastic stuff, maybe he says, I think I call it the art of ambiguity. The stuff you're talking about, half the people hear it one way and half the people hear it the other. And then those people start fighting with each other. And instead of talking about censorship, surveillance, militarizing militarizing police, imperialism around the world, instead of talking about that stuff, you're talking about what this guy says. It makes no sense. It is just a way Obama gave hope and Trump gives fear. It's a way for people on the left to validate this two-party psyop. It's a psychological operation. The Democrat-Republican thing, not neither side is fighting to preserve our rights and protections. Neither side is truly uh, taking care of the limited government that's in our Constitution. We need to focus on that. The, the bankruptcy that we're going to face because of the debt that both sides, no, they're not even, no, you're not, people aren't even talking about Trump's budget and, and, the, and that he signed off on the past two insane spending bills. Like, it's just nobody's even talking about it. It wasn't an issue about the wall. It's an issue about bankrupting this country. It's not about his personality. Anyway, Binkley, Binkley's triggered. I got to let him talk for once. He was trying to say his indivisible group talking points as quickly as possible before you cut him off again the second time. He was literally trying to throw them out there like a child would. Yeah, I hear that. And I wonder if he picked up the baton because Mark got shut down by the break. Because it's that, you know, they both sound like they, I mean, clearly they're, they know what they're doing. You know, they're people. So wait, <laughs> indivisible. Why don't you tell people? Indivisible is an activist group. They're the main organizer of the resistance around the country, and they send out not just talking scripts. They tell you what to do step by step. To the point where you actually did it. 
right? And and didn't even fill in your name. You said fill in your name. And yeah. the, didn't you call a congressman's office? I called a congressman. Just con- like that. Right. Just like what that happened there. Like there's a script and you're reading it. And it's clearly a tactic to just keep talking. Say as much as you want. And I, I do have a tendency to be polite and let people talk. And it's awful. I think it's awful to cut somebody off. I, I had a hard time on radio not saying hello and goodbye and waiting for the pr- other person to hang up first. I mean, that's yeah. how etiquette oriented I am. But they prey on that. Yeah, they assign trackers. That's what they're called to target uh, stations and shows to disrupt. And they'll do it on both sides. So yeah. I suspected this, and then you gave me evidence of it where they cited, they said, oh, on that guy's show, there's terrible racism, whatever. And, and the quote was from a caller. So the the host said nothing, but the caller said something really offensive. And then the caller just said, yeah, yeah, right. You know, but in in print, it looked like you, you could argue the guy was agreeing. Exactly. But it was a setup. So the left and the right, the trolls come from both sides. I mean, I, I hate to call names. And I even I, if, if he would even just stop and talk to me, we could find out what really drives him to do it, because maybe we have the same concerns. Absolutely. I, are you worried about racism? Then let's talk about Venezuela. Yeah. Can I say one more thing yes. about that? I'll make it yeah. quick. No, we have time. The. Good people on both sides, quote, or whatever that quote was mm-hmm. that people use, is such a lie, and it's so destructive to yes, the country. Yes, because what he – because – are you saying because the, the people who well, were – I'm, I'm saying when somebody can prove to me that everybody who was there who was protesting to keep the statue up was a Nazi, then we can talk about him calling Nazis good people. There was well, 12 different the, groups there. The who people were, who wanted to keep the Robert E. Lee statue up – Right. That's what it was. Robert yeah. E. Lee, who you same thing. You could you could go either way. I mean, or could you not? You actually say some very redeeming things about Robert, uh, Robert E. Lee. He led the Confederate. But after the war, he helped unify the country. So if we're going for an example of turning bad to good, I, I think that he would be a statue to use as a unifying thing. To as inspire opposed to people, divisive. bring the good out of people. Exactly. Who, were on the wrong side before, which might be good. Okay, so maybe that's why the people who wanted to preserve the statue got a, a license to make their political... See, that's the thing. There you go. That's the First Amendment. So you have to be able to petition and demonstrate and assemble, even if not everyone understands your point of view, because if you silence that debate... So this guy, he would not engage in the debate. So we're not going to accomplish anything. This is the dialectic in action. So that guy's on one side. I'm not even on a side. I'm literally yeah. just trying to figure out what happened. So, so, but because of this, we are never going to actually say, you know what? You're right. Censorship is a problem. It does not matter what Trump says or what that guy did. We should probably notice that there's five pages in the Wall Street Journal dedicated to how live streaming stuff that cannot be censored should not be available to the public. Right. And Only it, to YouTube censors. And absolutely. The cops. And it could affect this guy who called in. Right. And what he's doing, the people he, he is listening to are not are not telling him things in his best interest. He's following people who are, who don't give who, who don't are, care. Who are up there. When you look at the, the CFR roots of Stacey Abrams or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez coming out of Ted Kennedy's office, you you know that they're 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 actors. They take acting. She, Stacey Abrams said she, I think she, she was an actress. <laughs> yeah. She said she was. <laughs> Oh, we got to talk about her soon. We we pegged her running for president like the, the right when she said she was running for governor. She said this road to the White House. And we were like, oops, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oops. No, we did call that long right, before I'm, anybody else. I'm gonna take a couple of uh, 
a couple of calls. Hey, Ray, Ray, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good. Sorry, I didn't mean to surprise you. With that. You're on. You're on the air, Ray. <laughs> Lay it on us. It's all right. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you said that these guys are running a script that, that talk that talk on when they call in. But, you know, I have actual friends and uh, that, that believe this nonsense. They're getting – I think the media – is stoking the fire of this stuff that's going on. Yeah, that's a lies. really good point, Ray, is that, so I'm saying, you could say these an event is a false flag or a provocation or something that's being generated. So in this case, they're saying the guy in New Zealand was generated by his alt stuff on social media. But it's, first of all, after I read that Department of Defense thing on memetics and how they intentionally use them with a lot of psychological manipulation behind them, I think it's much more likely that these memetics, these these movements that are emerging um, inorganically, but seemingly just from the organically, that they are, that it's much more sophisticated than just a bunch of uh, trolls in a basement, whatever. So I, yes, I think you're absolutely right that they know, but I believe that it is sinister in that they know exactly what they're doing like the new knowledge guy who was behind the russian bots that attacked roy moore i mean people believe the yes. story you know yes. but but it's but it's masterly crafted yes and it's a lot of that going on but these people are believing it and uh because they want to believe it that's the thing i think they want to it believe makes it them because... feel good. there's something mm -hmm. of like that facebook dopamine hit that mm -hmm. makes you get off when you've got emotional reaction whether it's good or bad it's the bad that a lot of times is is satisfying to them it's the anger so you have obama who is like hopey but then you have mm -hmm. trump who is fear and and mm -hmm. i think they they that people like it and then one thing about muslims uh I, I heard a quote or something about you know muslims are peaceful in a society when they uh have small numbers and as their numbers grow then they start getting more radical so <laughs> What are you blowing up this great conversation for, Ray? <laughs> like, I don't know what you were thinking. I don't want to hear that. I, I don't generalize. See, that's why I gave Mark, um, I wasn't giving him a hard time, the, the caller before the last break. I wasn't trying to give him a hard time, but he was saying generalized things about Trump and what he does. And I was just forcing Mark to go through the process I go through when I think about saying something that jumps to a conclusion or generalizes about people. I, I really don't know. And and it doesn't matter to me. I don't I think that our system of free of a free economy, people will come or go as they're needed and they must if there's no welfare, they must acclimate because economically they will not survive without it. I have a personal experience with that and I firmly believe it. Finkley you can have the last word. To what he said about radicalizing in groups, individuals, all individuals, psychologically, when we are in big groups of people that we are with, we the individual is lost and the group identity takes over. And That's so interesting because now that you say that, yes, I read a book, Crowds and Power by Elias Kennedy. One of the first books you sent me, if not the first book by Laban, was, um, was about Crowds and Power. I forget what it was called. What was that Laban book called? Crowds and Power, I think. No, Crowds and oh, Power is Lies Connecticut. The crowd. Okay, yeah, and then it had a subtitle. But and it's about how you use a crowd. And he wrote that before Hitler, Lebon did, and Kennedy after from Germany he wrote it. So this idea of yes, what Ray said, 
could be true for anything because it's the the crowd actually undermines the values of people. Yeah, a like football a, fan, true. right? Huh? Football fans in a stadium are a radicalized group of people in that time while they're in the stadium, so to speak. The most rowdy of them. <laughs> hey, I've been one of them before. All right, we got to take a break. Um, you can tweet at me at Monica Predshaw. Keep the calls coming. I got some more. You know, this stuff does trigger people. 800 WSB Talk. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Hi, I'm your libertarian voice on WSB. We are talking about what happened in New Zealand, uh, but... I'm most interested in what the implications are for our rights and protections from uh, government and tyranny, which are converging quickly, if not already converged. I'm going to take some calls. First, I'm going to go to Miles in Atlanta. Miles, you are on with Monica. Monica, can you hear me? Yes, go. Yes, ma'am. My thought was, number one, I think that the uh, shooter was very media aware he made a little manifesto, and it seemed like he was making the, the, the attack to get some kind of reaction out of the media policy-wise. My second quick point is that uh, I'm, a, I'm a semi-student of American history, and I realized it wasn't until the battles of Lexington and Concord when they came for the guns that, that we really stand up and rise up. And so I wonder today, what is it going to take, short of them coming for the guns, to get patriots to – stand up because did you see that happen, passage but... in this guy's manifesto that said that he was interested in promoting uh a gun control push in the u.s so that people would stand up and and rise no, against it i didn't i did not read the manifesto i just know that he had one so that's that's coincidental that he would even say that because that's what i was thinking is that i think they can do what if i was in charge i would just not come from the guns We'll let them do anything. That's well, all, you know, I've heard mind. that idea that that it's not that that the guns they have are uh, the ones that we're not really a risk to them. Somebody comes in full body armor with military level equipment, you're not going to beat that with your handguns. It's the what I dubbed resistance grade weaponry that they're always after they're not after the handguns that do the crimes that they're saying they want to stop it's the resistance grade weaponry that they come for let's uh let's get into the impact on the media and how media is picking up on this story after the break tweet at me at monica perez show monica perez no never give up never surrender on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6, and I am on tomorrow from 12 to 2, which is a good thing because this story about the mass casualty event being reported in New Zealand has so many implications for us. I mean, I stopped looking at what what really happened when I hear stories like that because the media gets a hold of it, the big, big media that it... You can trace, I've seen like the infographics, whatever, where you see like the news generators, the news agencies, there's just a few. And a lot of times they get talking points from the U.S. government. So, and then as like a person in the media, like I am, it's practically, there's really, it's a ridiculous 
risk to take to contradict the narrative that's accepted and being reported. I mean, you would never do that. And you'd have to do original research, which you don't have the capability of doing. And until Parkland last year, you could seek out people posting stuff. You could do open source journalism online. But that was basically shut down with Parkland. And I guess the last thing that the last little wedge that I myself wanted to use was I thought if I did my podcast, Binkley, my producer here and I do podcast and they get taken down. Actually, the first one that got taken down was the um, when I talked about Sheriff Israel in Parkland saying, you know, there's something not right with this guy. But it was too soon. That wasn't the official narrative. So YouTube took it down. But once it was undeniable, that guy was had a problem. Then everybody was allowed to say it and, and didn't go away. Mine stayed down. But uh, but my point is that uh, we do podcasts, and I thought I'll do we we should start doing our podcast live on Google Hangouts so that people can hear it at least once before it's suppressed. Not that I wanted to say anything that would be. I mean, I just try to I ask questions. I try to get the truth of things. I always try to be honest about my opinion, what I know to be facts, what the difference between the two are. Never say anything offensive. I don't I don't think I mean, maybe I offend people, but I certainly don't mean to. Uh, And that would be the last way to kind of get information out there. And it, and it's probably a real problem to have live streaming anything. I think there should I think every camera that the government runs and watches unless they actually have a specific warrant for a specific what they're looking for according to the fourth amendment what they're really saying is that their cameras are in the public domain well if that's true then i want live streaming video from every camera that i as a taxpayer own via the government i think or i think trials should be public i mean that's what they're supposed to be there should be live streaming from trials unless there's a real reason not to And these kind of things would, I think, really empower us to maintain our protections against being persecuted for political reasons, but under other pretenses. So it's just it's a protection. And I think it's a big, big thing. So I look at these and I say, where is like with the Parkland shooting? Where was all the student video? Every one of those kids for sure had their phones in their hands. There should have been hundreds, hundreds. And you didn't see them. There's an effort successful effort to control information and i think the last loophole is this live stuff and that's what's being attacked or challenged by this uh by this new zealand thing and one so if you read the wall street journal today it's just all the coverage on the shooting is about social media or at least touches on that and one of the things they say is that he is so uh tuned into the internet it's almost like one of the things is what's what this continuum between the troll and the terrorist that they that there's a a direct connection between cyber activity and real activity and he's he obviously mastered how to bridge that gap and all this stuff that's why he is so dangerous and uh i, I, I the last caller kind of reminded me that that is part of what they're suggesting. He also talks about the last caller also said about what was in uh, the manifesto and without realizing it, he echoed something that he hadn't read in the manifesto, but was there that, that this guy is maybe, this isn't the the expression he used, but that perhaps the story is meant to trigger a dialectic is meant. Isn't that what they say Judas was doing to Jesus that he thought 
that by forcing the issue, Jesus would have to defend himself and become activated. An accelerationist. I've, I've heard that. Is that. Are you making that up? No, that's a real thing. There's people who do not like Trump who are glad Trump got elected because they believe it will accelerate the, prog- the, the progress of getting well, to – See, that's what I was going to say to the trolls that I actually – my, I mean, I'm not accusing that, but I'm saying my instinct is that that is that is true. I mean, everything from Zucker throwing him softballs and calling him the scariest guy in the world, you know, on CNN, and to the Steinle thing, which immediately came out to support his uh, the the um, tone of his campaign. I felt that this this Obama gave so say say. Say the left, let's just say the Democrat Party is uh, intentionally a patchwork of identity groups. And some of those identity groups, having been genuinely betrayed by the power, by the state in the past, were wising up to the fact that the welfare state maybe is a trap or a lie, and that what the Democrats promised, they cannot deliver or they would lose power. Because if they fix the fiscal problem, then you're not going to have people who are desperate and dependent. And it's going to be wearing thin. So the Democrats, I think the Republicans have their own problems and also need to be shored up, which Ron Paul was doing, quickly to be replaced by Trump, who did not have the ideals and ideology of Ron Paul, but he appealed to the same emotion. That's a different topic. But the Democrats, so how do you get, how do you reinforce the Democrats as the dominant party? Well, first, you give the people who feel betrayed by a, by an elite limousine liberals who are full of it, you give them Obama, who feels very earthy, feels real. And he, uh, and then, so you've played that card. You've played the we can be trusted card, the hope card, because he didn't really deliver either, I don't think. And then, so then you flip to the fear card, the love or the fear. You can love me, you can fear me. And that's where Trump comes in. So the fear is really what's galvanizing the left. And I've heard even Stacey Abrams and others say, like, this was the best thing that ever happened to the left. And I'm like, when you hear people say that, it's like when they said on Fox News that the best thing that could happen to Facebook is getting regulated, is the industry getting regulated. I think, okay. Well, if they're the ones who are benefiting, how hard is it to speculate that they were in favor of it or perhaps promote it? So what's so accelerationist? What? It's called accelerationism. In political and social theory, accelerationism is the idea that the prevailing system of capitalism should be expanded in order to generate radical social change. So you expand it to break it. Oh, acceleration. That's Cloward and Piven. From the 60s, what they proposed was to get absolutely everybody on welfare so the system would break and the mixed economy of social democracy would collapse and true communism would be introduced. That is originally an idea about um, promoting the collapse of the system by overburdening welfare. And then they deliberately went into the inner cities and broke up families to increase dependency. And that is in the record. 
And people are going to start wising up to that. So you need, when these people called, I'm going to call them trolls. I hate to call names, but it was crystal clear when the guy would not engage in a two-way conversation that he had uh, he had talking points, he had an agenda, whatever. And what's so funny about it is, so. but what he, they do is they focus on the personality of Trump when we should be talking about the real issues. Let's talk about the ideology, socialism versus capitalism. Do we have capitalism? I don't know. You got to define it first. It's not free market capitalism. We don't have that. Do we have socialism? Definitely. Some to some degree. So let, let's actually talk about it. You can talk about the ideology. You can talk about whether it's practical, either one of them, whether you can trust an administration with those responsibilities. Uh, talk about human nature. You can talk about all that stuff. But instead, we're, ta- we're calling Trump names, you know, and getting freaked out. But so the trolls... We were talking about this on Crazy. the break. They're, they're, they are what this guy is being painted to be. So this New Zealand shooter guy, it's so like the I – ha, I have so many notes. I can't even like find them. <laughs> I can't find the quotes I'm looking for. But he – but his, his – uh, his character, what, how he's being painted is an absolute stereotype of here it is here it is local media reported that mr tarrant was from grafton in a town of about nineteen thousand, about a six-hour drive north of sydney so a real small town where he once worked as a personal trainer he described himself as just an ordinary white man 28 years old born in australia to a working class low-income family who had a regular childhood without any great issues and little interest in schooling it's literally when you read how like they have to attack the country towns in this country because people like that vote for Trump like that. I've been I've been flagging that all along. So there and then on the other articles, it talks about how social media like 4chan and Gab. It's basically the imagery is a comic book guy from The Simpsons in his mom's basement living out this fantasy gaming and writing incendiary things on 4chan, but he'd never do anything until there's some guy like this who gets out there and triggers everybody. And what's funny is that that stereotype is applied to the right. But when you tell me about these emails you're getting from Indivisible and that people are seriously and I hear them calling my show and they're calling the congressman and stuff like that. What 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 image do we have of those people? What What's the difference between the, the article was what's the difference between a troll and a terrorist talking about this guy? But what what's uh, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to I will not make that. I'm not saying that's a continuum of a troll to a terrorism. But what I am saying is the that activist stereotype that they're trying to paint on the right there. If that is a real stereotype, those same characteristics apply to the activists on the left. Is that too crazy a thing to speculate? I'm I'm just, you know, thinking about it. They absolutely apply to the activist on the left as well. They're just. Wear a different color is all. Blue. And they flipped the color. They used to wear red, and yeah. they had to, like, give the Republicans red because it was too obvious that it was a communist color. So, yeah, I mean, I just – I think that there's a lot to – there's – The trolls this, yeah. can sometimes be true believers, and and sometimes trolls become true believers, and true believers become trolls. Well, yes, that's what we were saying earlier is that it's not – you can have an MK Ultra person <clears throat> who has uh, um, 
I had an earlier Twitter exchange. I won't I won't name her because I don't want to out her as a um, conspiracy theorist, or she is not. But but the <laughs> the idea was that the MK Ultra people, which is a real program run by the intelligence in the U.S., people were activated to do things by certain triggers. So I'm not saying it has. I'm not saying you even need to do that. Is that when you when you read this document about how memetics enhance dysfunctional subcultures? They're they're activating psychologically. There's layer upon layer of stuff here. It's not this. It's not that. I don't think it's this guy. I think it's it's a plan. Just like they have these plans, they say they only apply them to foreign countries, but I don't believe it. Edward Bernays, the propagandist, the father of propaganda, Freud's nephew, used to talk about how sometimes these plans are ten years, sometimes they're twenty, sometimes they're fifty year broad, long ranging plans, and the purpose of them is to influence the masses outside of the masses' awareness. I'm so glad you said that. I did not know he actually said that, but that is what I try to tell people. I'm like, these these personalities, these movements, these psychological operations, these dialectics, they don't just pop up. You don't wake up one day and say, gosh darn it, that guy did this. This is why we need to censor YouTube. That's not what's happening here. It's much, much bigger than that. But wait, let's. I got to take a break, and then I want to tick off all the things that go into this guy's stereotype. It's, it's like it gets almost laughable if it weren't so serious. Tweet at me or call me at 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice. That's Monica Perez. And uh, I'm going to take a call. I'm going to go to Peter. Peter. Peter, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, I really want to tell you how much I enjoy your show. You're one of the few people out there that's thought-provoking. You don't spoon-feed. And I've been listening to you ever since you did a segment on social Marxism. Maybe one day you'll uh, do that one again. But the question that I had for you really is one that always perplexes me, and that's why the media is so intent on this socialist agenda. Isn't the first thing that happens in a socialist environment that they start suppressing the media and getting rid of them why do they think they're going to end up with a pass that's very interesting maybe they are serving the king maybe it's already happened that that those big news agencies have already been suppressed but for me if you look at the right why doesn't fox call out the Republicans for their socialism because they're our only hope, right? I mean, I'm, I don't know if I have any hope, but calling out the Democrats is kind of uh, pointless. They should be calling out the Republicans for their socialism. And let's get uh, a little bit more to what, what's on the agenda this week after the break. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. I'm also on tomorrow from 12 to 2. And uh, as always, I'm joined by my trusty producer and sidekick, Binkley. And if you haven't heard the show from the beginning, I believe that we'll put it up on thepropreport.com. 
uh, on Wednesday, courtesy of WSB giving that to us for uh, commercial free. Is that right, Binkley? Should we start just doing it on Wednesday? Yeah, we'll get them up on Wednesday. Yeah, so if you go to thepropreport.com on Wednesdays, you should be able to hear this show commercial free every week. Uh, but I want to read one thing that – so I don't know if you realize that if you're, if you're listening, if you know that I, I actually tell you what the URL is, thepropreport.com, because if you just type in Monica Perez Show, you might get to my old browser that – or my old URL, which WordPress shut down for absolutely no good reason. And uh, it really derailed me. And I just wanted to read from an article today in today's Wall Street Journal about the New Zealand event. Uh, this is what it says, quote, after the New Zealand shooting, Facebook's content policy team designated the incident as a terrorist attack, meaning that any praise or support of the event violates the company's rules. Facebook teams have also been deleting the accounts of people who impersonate the shooter or allege the incident didn't happen, a spokeswoman said. So in article after article after article, it talks about suppressing live streaming video. That's the problem here. That's this guy did it so that he could activate people and you can't censor it if it's live, whatever. And they just slip in. I've read dozens of articles and they just slip in. We're also censoring people who allege the incident didn't happen. So let's just let's just broaden that a little bit. People who question the facts that we are told. Right? So why? Why is that so dangerous? Because it might possibly expose a lie that's being told. <laughs> See that's what I think the Great Purge is all about, which is why, you know, I don't whatever. <sighs> But I did promise that we would go through. So, okay, I have to finish that sentence. You can ask questions. You just can't expose lies. That's all. Right. You have to, you have to ask the questions they have the answers to. And so this is why I uh, – so what they're trying to say is the reason we're censoring is because live video or conspiracy theories or whatever cause real harm to real people. That there's this continuum between virtual space and meat space that cannot be overcome. So you have to control virtual space, the space of the mind. And so I, that's when I start wondering if the facts that are reported to us are curated or even manipulated to support the policy agenda they're going for. So I wonder that. And then when I read the stories... And the details are hard to believe. He, he was live streaming this for 17 minutes. He single-handedly attacked two mosques. He was disarmed quickly in the first mosque, but he still managed to kill 41 people. He went outside to a car that was waiting. I don't know what that means, but that's the quote that was in the Wall Street Journal. And drove several minutes to another mosque, all in this small city, while live streaming where victims' families were watching. With a GoPro How- on his head. With a GoPro on his head and in gear. I just, I find it really impossible. I'm not, I can't, I'm not alleging anything beyond the fact that my mind cannot accept that timeline. And then when they start imparting to me a whole laundry list of memes that go along with the stereotype they want us to believe about this, like trolls are only on the right. It's only right wing. They talk about suppressing right wing stuff. Like, not left-wing stuff. Left-wing radicals have started revolutions that have destroyed entire countries in bloody revolution. So 
I don't understand why left wing isn't also a problem. And I'm a libertarian. I don't have a horse in that race. I'm just saying it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, so let me just rattle off the the memes that I observe to fill into the stereotype. And if you want to chime in, Pinkley, but I know you have a few other things that we have to get to. But uh, so white nationalism, obviously. Uh, one thing I thought was silly because I assume what we're we're getting from this guy attacked Muslims. His white nationalist is that he's a racist. Yet the person, I believe this was in the manifesto. I, I read a quote from the manifesto. I didn't read the manifesto. I know you did a little bit, Binkley, but it says uh, that his greatest influence or somebody who admires most like that is Candace Owens and, uh, and her Blexit, which is like trying to get black Democrats to convert to Republicans. So I guess she's yeah. for like diversity in the Republican party. Yeah. And this is his greatest hero is like, he really wants diversity on his side of the aisle. Is that, well, he talks about how bad diversity is in his manifesto. Right, so that's a little weird that she would be his hero. Yeah. Um, he so what was the what was the Trump thing? Didn't he say? Don't you have an actual passage from the manifesto about Trump? So he's a Trump. I, I thought he was a Trump supporter. I think he was portrayed as a Trump supporter. He, he was portrayed that way, but they don't give it in full. So context. in his manifesto, he has a Q and A, right? He's got a, a Q and A that's like. Five or six pages and includes – he poses every question that anybody can think of and more. So because, it's kind of like Quora? Yeah. It's like the talking point He's a, He's Quora. I'm sorry I'm laughing. I just – I find these details to be not plausible. Yeah, you read this Q&A in this manifesto and you say this is absurd. All right, so just read the the Q&A on that one thing. The Trump, the Trump one thing? says were slash are you a Trump supporter? And then he goes on to say his, the answer that he gives is So as he a, asked himself that question. Yes. Okay. As a symbol of renewed white identity and common purpose? Question mark. Sure. As a policymaker and leader? Dear God, no. So he didn't exactly say that he is praising Trump, and he answers with sure when he poses the question to himself, are you a uh, liberal? Sure. It, it depends on the definition. Sure. So, All right. So we're going to have to go through. I know there's going to be more of that. I do want to take this call. Uh, hold on. Bernadette. I'm going to Bernadette in uh, – I don't know where you are, Bernadette, but you are on the air now. This is Monica. Hey, Monica. I'm actually in Smyrna. I um, I am from New Zealand. My family lives in Christchurch. And um, I find it very difficult to believe that he made it from one mosque to the next without being intercepted as well. And, and I know that city and something does not add up. And I, when I saw the news yesterday, and of course I, I waited till I heard from my family that everybody was well, but how did he do that? Yeah, I mean, the only that, we one might infer that the police are so incompetent there. It's like from a different <laughs> exactly. Century. Are and, they? And I know that they're not. Right. Uh, they they are not. Actually, um, my producer Binkley found a report that says that because Christchurch is a, I guess, kind of a gateway to an international station in Antarctica. That uh, he that they, that we actually train some of their local and federal police and government agents. Are you familiar with the international nature of the Christchurch? Oh yes, um, they, there was always military 
flying in and out because of, uh, as you said, the the uh, ability to get down to Antarctica. And it's always been a very cosmopolitan city in that way too. A lot of people from a lot of different uh, parts right. of the world. But I just something is not ringing true with me about so this. So what are and, what would you what do you think they're going to use this event for? as far as maybe a political agenda? Um, do you mean in New Zealand? Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah what's, well, or either, you know, whatever your insights are. Well, uh, here in America, uh, the, the police do not carry guns in New Zealand, and um, they are allowed to carry a rifle in the trunk of their car. They don't carry them on their person. Normal people don't have access to handguns unless they're a collector or a hunter. I've never seen anyone uh, carrying a gun until I came to America. And I think it's just yet another excuse to talk about uh, why we need to restrict people's gun rights. And, And I just want to say to people, well, the people in New Zealand don't have guns, but the bad guys did. Right. And and mow down all those people. Uh, And so your argument of get rid of the guns and the violence goes away is a total load of of rubbish. (laughs) Right. And what so you're making me think that my initial claim about what they're doing here as far as gun control, all the guns they always target here are the bigger guns, not the guns that are actually responsible for almost all the murders, like the handguns, which you say are virtually non-existent in New Zealand. It's the bigger guns that could, I mean, if you if you are afraid of tyranny, you you have to think, how do you protect yourself? And only a kind of, they say the armed militia in the Second Amendment is the way that you keep government in line. I'm inferring that, but, you know, so it's the bigger guns that they're always after, in my opinion, without dragging I, you down I, the rabbit hole with me. I No, I agree with you. And um, from someone who grew up in a culture without guns, I actually have a concealed permit and um and i'm going to defend my right to to own and carry my gun um, um, to the end you know i had a friend well you don't know this i hate that Uh, i had a a friend (laughs) from sweden who came over and the two things that i noticed that people especially in well i knew noticed about sweden is that they have these two preconceptions one is that people are just lying in the streets from gunshot wounds and because we don't have socialized medicine they're dying there in the gutters and when she came over she was so shocked that that wasn't the way it is she completely stopped believing in all the the gun control nonsense she said the petty crime is rampant over in sweden rampant and uh so she she's also converted so thank you very much for calling bernadette you're welcome, and let's get to the bottom of this. Yes, yes. So interesting. Wow, that was really uh, valuable because you get a perspective of somebody who's a little bit closer to where the action is, and I, the only logical explanation would have been a completely incompetent police force, which we just heard from somebody with better knowledge than any of us that that is not the case. So let's finish uh, um We'll get back to our uh, memes after the break. You can call 800-WSB-TALK or uh, tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Triple G. Okay. I have got a prize pack. I love prize packs. 
Four tickets to the Atlanta Gladiators Marvel Superhero Night, Saturday, March 23rd at Infinite Energy Arena. And four tickets to the Atlanta International Auto Show, March 20th to the 24th in Building C of the Georgia World Congress Center. First to call 404-741-0750 gets the prize pack. And I am... um, Bing Clay, I know you had a good insight, but I want to give it some time, um, and I want to finish this just list of stereotypical memes, and at the bottom of the hour, after that longer break, I want to, uh, you want to pick up where I left off on saying, does does virtual world cause real harm to real people? Uh, That's going to be our discussion at the bottom of the hour. Part of it, anyway. But other, other, like, memes that this guy hits... Uh, the stereotype that is painted of him and how um, these are signals of who they, who the media or whatever are trying to demonize and what policies they're after. Uh, he's white nationalist, even though Candace Owens is his hero. Don't get that. Wants diversity in the Republican Party, I guess. I don't know. Uh, guns, of course. Social media is uh, dangerous. See something, say something. That was the um, the Fox headline I saw. He's to some extent a Trump supporter, although you wouldn't put that qualifier in if you were the mainstream media I've been listening to. This, um, I had a couple of really good ones. He gave a shout out to PewDiePie, the abrasive YouTube guy, I guess. I don't know if he's abrasive, but he's a gamer. Yeah. So that's a big deal. Um, he is a, engages in white nationalist conspiracy theories which isn't the first time those have been associated with terror attacks, according to one headline. And my two favorites are, he made his money from an early Bitcoin investment, which is not actually supported by his own claims of where he got his (laughs) money from. Bitcoin, and the absolute best one for me, the absolute kicker is, he smirked in court. Isn't that what the MAGA hat kid did? Evil criminal smirking? Yeah. So that was a headline. That rose to the level of a headline. So let's let's get serious about this after the break at Monica Perez show. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6 and tomorrow from 12 to 2. And we're talking about reports uh, of the shooting in New Zealand. And some of this stuff in the articles, they're obviously agenda-driven, obviously policy-driven. They attribute to this guy an awful lot of characteristics that play right into the memes. And it gets to the point where it's hard for me to take it seriously. And maybe not taking it seriously, if it is, even if he is true, maybe not taking it seriously is a better way to not feed into it. Because... What they want is to be taken seriously. What they want is to make an impact. Whether they want to play into the dialectic by he actually stated that he wanted to prompt gun control activism so that there would be a backlash. If you don't take it seriously, maybe you don't take it seriously. And that defuses him somewhat. But I was disturbed by numerous passages I read. Here's one example. By uh, in the W the Wall Street Journal article, it's hard to spot the terrorists among the trolls. We've been talking about this article. He wrote, given the way social contagion begets mass shootings, it is almost certain this event will inspire more like it. 
And due to the inability of platforms to eliminate this kind of content in real time, it looks as though we're helpless to stop it, at least for now. So he is saying, he's saying it's inevitable. And it's because we're not suppressing the live stuff. And that, I find that very disturbing. Um, But I also find disturbing that we are desensitized to the taking of innocent life because of our culture. My mother calls it the culture of death. And it's a wide range of things from abortion and euthanasia to uh, war and maybe even violence in media and games and movies and sports as a proxy for war. I don't know where it comes from, but it's definitely something to worry about. I don't like it. That doesn't mean I'm not – that's why I actually don't even like talking about these things because I don't want to give it airtime no matter who's behind it, no matter what they're after. I don't like to give it airtime. However, they have an agenda that that every left and right will act like it's a bipartisan thing to say, hey, yeah, you got to do something about it. And one thing we can do is suppress live streaming. I say you really can't – you can't do that if you want to keep your – any hope of individual justice, you have to be able to demonstrate facts and live streaming facts that cannot be censored that are often revealed in context, uh, I think are the most powerful and important. So, uh, Binkley, we had, oh, oh, you were, two things I want from you. One is, you were pointing out that they're not just targeting the pipe, uh, the YouTube, the censorship, and all that of live streaming, but the pipe. What? It, tell me more about that. Is that a, this event you're saying is fostering that talk? Yes, I saw some talk about that. The infrastructure that the internet is built upon. I, I don't know enough about the technical aspects. Right. I of don't. It, but... I don't either. But we're having our website rebuilt, and uh, CC Design, who's doing it, told us that. Uh, he, he, we had to move off of WordPress because they kicked us off. YouTube suppresses my videos and demonetizes yours. So we have to find different ways. That's why we have now the prop report.com, like the propaganda report, the prop report. Uh, and that's going, we're going to kind of re-release it soon, but we have to build stuff in there so that we can maybe have our own forum so that we don't need to rely on Twitter if we get kicked off of that. Or where we can... Uh, play our own videos don't have to use youtube for that but the risk is that at a certain point the platform that you're built on that itself is going to start censoring and and he pointed out that i can icon whatever was runs it internationally used to be under u.s control and i didn't think it was that i didn't understand why it mattered that it was no longer under u.s control I think with under U.S. control, there was some expectation or standard, or at least the U.S. citizens would look and say, hey, there are certain basic liberties we require. But once it went out of our control, it's it's not a state of anarchy. It's a state of opacity or less less translucency. And that is worrisome. But, you know, what are you going to do? WSB still <laughs> lets me speak my mind as long as you tell the difference between what is fact and what is opinion. And I, we don't have a lot of facts here, so I'm not spouting out facts. Uh, Those so... infrastructure companies, they, they're getting pressured. There's one called Cloudfare that was that commented on this story, and they've been getting pressure for the past, I don't know, year, year and a half or so. And basically what they wrote on their website 
was that they, after going through everything and talking to people, they urged countries to develop mechanisms for fighting problematic material online, arguing that despite concerns about preserving freedom of speech and due process, governments have a kind of legitimacy that web platforms make for making unilateral decisions that web platforms do not have. So they're basically saying, you make the laws and tell us what to do. Okay. Um, what and what? It's this is across the board internationally. Cloudflare, yes, they're speaking broadly. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that is definitely a concern. I'm going to take a call, and then I want you to read that thing about the Brookings Institution mm-hmm. uh, from the Brookings. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Tee that up, and let me talk to Randy. I'm going to Randy. Randy, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, I appreciate you. You know, I I don't always agree with you, but I am opening up uh, my mind to where I do listen. Now, don't get me wrong. This is this is this is pathetic. This is scary. This is uh, this is horrific. But it's New Zealand. New Zealand has their laws. They have their way of of investigating. There's nothing that we can do here in America other than offer assistance with the investigation. But as far as you and I in America, we just need to help them, you know, either, 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 uh, uh, you know, ship over goods, whatever it may, whatever humanitarian aid. But other than that, we just need to wait and wait until the investigation of New Zealand is complete because we don't know what this guy is really saying, and we don't know who is writing what to help this guy put his statement out there that really may not even be what he's really after. That it could you, be totally separate. Yeah, I agree with you. In that, basically across the board, I, I I agree that we don't really know what this guy is after. You don't know where the stuff is coming from. I believe Binkley just told me, um, I knew that there are other people were arrested. I believe they are still in custody. I think uh, it is, we can expect to be involved in the investigation because we have such a big presence there. It's a five eyes country where, or an echelon country where they kind of have the five English speaking mostly English commonwealths, but including the U.S., uh, kind of surveilling the world. It was a, an echelon was the expression under Bill Clinton's era, but New Zealand is one of those places. It has that gateway to an international base in um, Antarctica. Uh, but I don't, so I believe that we could be involved and could find the truth, but I predict that we do not get a real O.J. Simpson or Klaus von Bülow type public trial where we can evaluate the evidence on our own. I mean, it seems to me he doesn't really have much of a defense the way it's presented so far. So I would be surprised if it would really go to trial in the kind of adversarial process. But it would be great to find the truth. I, I, I have low expectations for that, though. Uh, Binkley. Yes. Can you, you were reading, thank you so much, Randy, for the call. You were reading to me, you mentioned to me at the break, an article you got from Brookings that had some points that I thought were interesting to tick off because Brookings Institution is is a like, um, 
think tank, policy think tank, but it's really, you know, it's it, it, it execute these think tanks execute the agenda. Yeah, they they are trying to give you tactics. They they work out strategies and tactics to execute the agenda. The agenda is the elite agenda, the Council of Foreign Relations agenda. Um, that. Don't be mistaken, Stacey Abrams is a member of Council of Foreign Relations. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems to be working for the same circles, if you dig into her background. So uh, these are tactics. But this here that you were reading basically sounds like policy, or let's hear it. Let's hear it. Read the title and then. The title is Five Initial Thoughts on the New New Zealand terrorist attack and right below that title it says order from chaos which i guess is their motto isn't that the illuminati motto oh maybe also a favorite bernays quote as what well. is this wait wait this is their logo their their motto it says on the top of their website right above this headline order from chaos and i believe that is a oh either freemason gosh. or yes. illuminati thing what is that in uh in latin i think it's in latin oh my gosh um, I have to look that up. Oh, my gosh. Edward Bernays has a chapter in, in his book, Propaganda, called Order from Chaos as well. Right, we'll have to dig into that next. So take off the bullets. The five thoughts that the Brookings Institute has is first, words have consequences. Okay, so free speech is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. Second, security services and government institutions must prioritize white nationalist and other forms of right-wing terrorism. But left-wing terrorism is okay. No mention of left-wing terrorism. <laughs> Domestic terrorism is what might be a legitimate thing. But when you make it clear that they, you will not be using your tools against half of the political spectrum. Okay. Yeah. Third, leadership can matter in a crisis, particularly when backed with action. Prime Minister Arden's immediate declaration about Muslim victims, they are us, is an excellent beginning and shows how a leader can use a tragedy to bring a reeling country together. All right. Two things on that. I'm going to say one and I want you to get the other. Right. I when they talk, this is why they're always ready with the slogan like Je suis Charlie yeah. and Rubio came out with the interpretation of the Venezuelan blackout before it was even in the news. And that's risky because it looks like there's foreknowledge, but they do it. They get ahead of the meme. I think they've probably done studies that say looking like you have foreknowledge is nothing compared with losing control of the meme. But talk about the meme real quick. The slogan? Yeah. Well, Stacey Abrams gave a talk at the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a hundred-year-old think tank, the most powerful in the world, where she used a phrase that I found interesting, and uh, the phrase that she used was, they are us, the same one that is in this Brookings article. And she was also a guest at the Brookings Institute a few weeks back. Let's talk about that another time. I really want to dig into that because it was a long speech, and you're going to have lots of clips. But I would... If we were tweeting about they are us right now, I would add hashtag meme rising. You will hear that. Meme rising. Okay, any more? Yeah, number four. Social media companies need to treat right-wing terrorism with the same seriousness they treat jihadi violence. Okay. So uh, what's the fifth one? The fifth one is many forms of right-wing terrorism are international terrorism. 
drawing on international networks, ideas, and personalities from around the world. And then it says, as Mary McLeod the, uh, says, she argues that the international connections allows the United States to designate it white nationalists as a foreign foreign terrorist organization and use this legal power to try to uproot the organization. The domestic foreign distinction should not be a barrier to understanding or action. All right. I will read from you an executive order that Trump signed yesterday that got no press at all that might pertain to that after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are wrapping it up um, here with Binkley, and uh, we are going to be on tomorrow from 12 to 2. We had a lot of stuff that we wanted to cover this week. And I do not like to give airtime to any stories about mass shootings. I I don't know whether it's the shooters or the spinners or whatever who have an agenda from these things. I don't like to support it. But in this case, the agenda is so glaring, and I have not heard people sufficiently identifying it. I rarely do. That I wanted to cover it. And if you want to hear the show from the beginning without commercials, thanks to WSB, we will post it on The Prop Report on Wednesdays. So you can listen in then. But if you want to catch more live, Monica Perez show, listen tomorrow, Sunday from 12 to 2. And we're going to cover other topics. One thing I thought I was going to just snooze over and not even want to cover was the college admission scandal. But. I have to say, I found it absolutely fascinating, and I feel like there's an agenda at work there, too. And Binkley really opened my eyes to one thing that that might have been a motivator in making this such a danged big deal. So uh, it is going to be a very interesting conversation tomorrow. We can hit some other stuff, too. Until then, this is Monica Perez.